0: name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Pope Francis famously said that our God is a God of surprises. Now, some people want to make of that statement something that it's not. It's not an assertion that some radically new truth of the Christian faith is yet to be discovered, nor is it an assertion that somehow what the church professes as truth will be upended. Our faith is a revealed religion, meaning that we believe fundamentally that the fullness of the Christian truth is contained in what has been revealed by Christ through his apostles. Everything necessary for the believer was and is contained in a sacred deposit of faith handed on by scripture and tradition. Yes, it is true that over the centuries, by the insights of many great saints, teachers, and theologians, that the church deepens, expands, and more fully integrates the faith that was handed on by the apostles. But it never marks out some new truth or a change in in the fundamental way that we as Christians understand the faith. Because to hold otherwise would undermine the very idea of the Christian faith altogether. It would deny the words of scripture. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ promised that the Holy Spirit would guide Christians in all truth. That's not a partial promise to certain generations or to certain peoples, but rather to the church as a whole throughout history. She will always be the consistent guardian of divine revelation. One can certainly believe in the Christian faith, as hopefully all of us do, and one can certainly disbelieve it as a whole with a certain modicum of consistency. But what is entirely inconsistent is to believe that Christian revelation is like some kind of never finished jigsaw puzzle that is assembled over the centuries. Nonetheless, Pope Francis is correct that God is a God of surprises. Because while divine revelation is a fixed and unchangeable thing, and while God has clearly told us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, we must always remember that God works in mysterious ways. We are blessed to have fixed markers of grace in the church and in the sacraments, but we also know that God's grace is not limited to these things. Throughout the scriptures, God is a God of surprises. He acts in, through, and with the most unlikeliest of persons and events. From the election of the weak and tiny people of Israel as his covenant bearers, to the selection of the stuttering Moses as the leader of the people of Israel throughout the Exodus, to the victory of a young David armed with only a sling against the mighty Philistine, to the birth of the world's Messiah in the backwater village of Bethlehem by an unknown virgin named Mary. God does not confine himself to the expected, nor is he ashamed of his believers and his followers. Rather, he loves all those who profess him and seek him, even if they do so in odd and awkward ways, despite the scorn that might be heaped upon them by their contemporaries. We see a pair of examples of this phenomenon in the gospel reading from today. The first reading in which Jesus heals the woman, probably in her middle age, who was suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. To the Jews, menstrual blood was unclean, which means this woman had been an outcast from society, almost like a leper. Other people would not have been allowed to have direct contact with her. She was poor as well. All of her money had been consumed, seeking a cure. We can see, too, that she had a somewhat misguided understanding of what faith in Christ entailed. She imagined that touching him or his cloak was the most significant thing as though Jesus were some kind of magic charm that you rub. Of course, we can excuse her confusion. Most likely, nobody tried to tell her about Jesus, since she was an outcast. She might have just eavesdropped bits and pieces of what other people were saying about him, and from this formed her own determination to approach him and touch his cloak. Despite the fact that this would have been, in normal circumstances, a grave violation of the law. An unclean person should not be going around touching other people or their clothing. Yet, in the event, our Lord credits this awkward and clumsy approach as faith, because he realizes that he has been touched by one in need, and he never abandons those who sincerely seek him. And so he turns and addresses her as a believer. She then explains the truth of her situation in great humility, to which he famously responds, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. God responds even to imperfect faith, even when the bearer of that faith is pathetic by the world's standards. The second healing is of a 12-year-old girl, which signaled to us the connection to the bleeding woman despite the differences in their circumstances. She was the daughter of Jairus, the synagogue official an important and honored position. No doubt his daughter was his pride and joy. Unlike the bleeding woman, this girl was not isolated and alone. She would have enjoyed the esteem and affection of the congregation of the synagogue. But Jairus' prominence in society makes it all the more unusual that he would have sought out Jesus to heal his daughter. Jesus was, shall we say, a controversial figure. He wasn't one of the temple priests or one of the pharisees, but he was known for getting the job done. So no doubt, after trying and failing with many other medical and spiritual remedies, Jairus took the chance on inviting this fiery itinerant preacher to lay hands on his sick daughter. We see, of course, the settled expectations of the people that had been present. Even assuming that these people had any faith at all in Jesus' ability to heal the girl, They saw or believed that his powers were confined to certain set circumstances. Death was the end. There was no point in hoping after that. So when she appeared to die, they said, why trouble this teacher any longer? They had moved from hope to mourning, and they weren't ready to see it any other way. Yet Jesus sees something that the other people don't see. This child is not dead, but asleep. Now that expression may refer to the girl's physical or her spiritual condition, it's not clear. But what is clear is that the people around her had given up hope because they had already formed their expectations. But Jesus upends those expectations and heals the little girl. In our Christian lives, we must, of course, reckon with the fact that God works how he wills. Yes, he has promised us sure signs of his love and grace in the sacraments, and the life of the church. We cannot ignore these in search of some other way. But we can never forget the fact that God's grace is in all things, in the situations we might least expect, and in and through persons we may least expect. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.